So um, I, I've heard Rabbi Tath say in the name of Rav Simcha Wasserman that with Chumash, we always, in the end, we come down to Ein HaMikra, Yotzei Midei Pshuto. That a Pasuk always means its simple meaning. Now, you may have to find out, like, what was the simple meaning of it, but, but it, a Pasuk always means what it means. It doesn't mean only the drash and not the pshat. Mm-hmm. The drash is some kind of unfolding of the pshat. I can't, you, you, don't, you don't say that you take a pasuk away from its real meaning, its basic meaning. It says, so that's, that's like um, when you're, you've got something and there may be a hidden meaning. It could be it's like, uh, like somebody who's smuggling a false passport, right, through customs. So you tuck it into like some kind of inner secret pocket or even so between the lining of a coat. Like you don't see that it's there. There may be deeper hidden things in the Pasuk, but they're not, you don't have to see that they're even there in the first place and you could still read the Pasuk. It says Navi, it's like someone who's smuggling a basketball in under his coat. <laughs> like it's so, it's so obvious there's something that you read Psukim, you read sections and you're like, what on earth? Like, what is this telling me? Like, it's so obvious that there's something hidden underneath, and you can't read it without knowing what it is, and you have no idea what it is. Like, the Mepharshim on on Navi are really so much more limited also. I guess because, really, technically, you should have been able to get it all from Hamish. I don't know. Like, we we can, but, like, you should be able to. I know, I see we're all starting to run later and later. So the the last two weeks. Okay. But I want to start because I know we also have to leave. So last week we spoke about. Last week we spoke about. Um, and I'm going to give you one of these. Well, I'm going to try not to spill your drink. All right, we talked about libo roa es erva, that the a person's heart should not see his unclothedness, and therefore, a person should wear a belt. A man should wear a belt or a gartel or a waistband, something that separates. This is a halacha, and that we are thanking Hashem for the strength to control the animal aspect of ourselves in accordance with the Torah. That's the gvura is, is, the, is the gift of Torah and implementing the Torah and mitzvahs in order to be able to be a real human being who uses their seichel to control and to utilize the animal part of the body. And we also spoke about the three places in the Torah where the belt, the, mid, the midpoint of the Torah, the three places that are the middle, the middle count of the letters of the Torah, which was the vav of Gehon of the snake, the middle count of the words of the Torah, which was between the words darosh and darash that Moshe investigated deeply, and the middle pasuk of the Torah in counting the psukim, which was, here we go, that he dressed Aaron in the kesonis and he belted him with the sash and put on the me'il and the ephod and tied the belt of the ephod onto him. So these all had to do with, with belting, with dividing, with making distinctions. Today, we're going to go into more, I would say like... Uh, thrilling and exploratory and adventurous direction, <coughs> which is this. Um, in Parshas Bichukosai, let me just see here. I tried to get everything into the source sheet, but I will tell you right now that I made the source sheets this morning. It was like very last minute. So I just typed in the source and said, put it in, you know, like, so they just dropped in, bang, bang, bang. 
They may not even be in order, and I see that there's even typos within the source sheet, which is how it automatically loaded. I see missing some missing uh, spaces already. But if we look at, hopefully I put the puzzle in here. Okay, it's source number three, or Gimel. Sorry. Like I said, I just like put in the sources so that I figured you might want to actually see them there. All right. So this is in Parshas Bechukosai, Chavvav. It's really what I'm going to focus on in Pasuk Membez, which I probably made bold. Yeah. Okay. V'zolcharti ezbrisi Yaakov, Hashem says. At that point, when the situation will get bad, the Chukosai is this unfor- mm-hmm. very unfortunate. It continues on the next page. So I'm just reading from Pasuk 42, Membez. Hashem says it will... There's going to be all these things that happen, all these terrible, terrible tragedies, terrible situations that will happen to the Jewish people because of our sins. And at some point, there will, but all of this will be a kapara. It will also serve to expiate the sins. V'zacharti esbrisi Yaakov. And I will remember the covenant with Yaakov. V'af esbrisi Yitzchak. And I will also, and also the covenant with Yitzchak. The office brisi Avraham Eskor. And also the covenant with Avraham, I will remember the Ha'aretz Eskor, and I will remember the land. And the land will be forsaken, it will be paid back already, all the Shemitahs that it was owed. The Hashama Mehem, while it had been desolate without them, the Hemirtsu Esavonam, and they will have satisfied the demands of the sins. Yan uviyan b'mishpatai mo'asu, because even though they had rejected, mo'asu is like, it's not just rejection, it's pretty powerful rejection. It's like disgust, almost. Dis- they despised my, my mitzvos, and they were abhorring, the Jews were abhorring the mitzvos. The afgamzos, the afgamzos, even so, biyosam be'eretz oivehem, when they will be in the land of their enemies, loma astim veloga altim. You hear the parallel, right? They rejected my mitzvos. They were disgusted by my mitzvos. They were turned off by them. They hated them. They totally rejected the mitzvos. And all of this requires kapara. The mitzvos are really our lifeline. To the extent that when you feel completely like you don't feel in touch with Hashem, the thing to do is to grab a mitzvah and to hang on to it, in no matter how small of a way. And that will draw you back. As long as you're hanging on to the lifeline of mitzvos, then even though you've gone overboard and you're at risk of drowning, you're hanging on to the boat. And eventually the seas will calm, you'll be able to climb up the rope and you'll be back on the boat. It says that here? It doesn't say that oh, here. Okay. That's a medr- the Medrash says oh, it okay. about tzitzis. But the tzitzis oh, remind okay. you of all of the mitzvos, and one way they do is they're this line that goes overboard from the clothes. <laughs> and that reminds you that the mitzvahs are your lifeline, literally. The person who falls overboard in a stormy sea and the captain of the boat throws over a lifeline and says, hang on. Just whatever you do, whether you can swim or not, whether you can, you know, you're gasping and you're gulping, if you can just hang on, then eventually you'll be able to get back in. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome. The Afgam Zos Biosam Beretzoi Vehem. But Hashem says, even so, 
So long as they were in the land of their enemies, lo ma'as team, I did not reject them. I wasn't disgusted by them. I didn't feel like I was so turned off by them that I just want to wipe them out. To break my covenant with them. You understand here, the covenant is the covenant of Torah. We may be having some trouble hanging on. Hashem's promise, the covenant of the Brit, the covenant with Hashem is that He will not let go of us. And He will not break His covenant in the Torah to us which is to sustain us and be our God. And we, we promised not to let go of the Torah. The Torah is, right, so we're, we're talking here about this. It's actually, in a way, understanding deeper what is this idea of being belted to Hashem, that he's holding us so tightly, we're holding him so tightly. Well, what are we holding on to, so to speak? Right, it's Torah and mitzvahs is the way that we show Hashem that we are holding on. It's the way we do hold on. It's not just showing it. It's how we do it. And it's how he holds on to us. When that is violated, when we're rejecting Torah and mitzvot, then all of these things, all of these known as the curses in Bechukosai, they're not curses in the way that the English word works, because it's not a wish of bad upon somebody. right? All these tragedies, all these difficulties, all this suffering happens in order, as Rav Hirsch said, we are only being held more tightly. Right? You remember that on the May Noach, the waters of Noach. He said, when we go through this suffering, we have to realize that it's only ever that we're being held more tightly than before. It's squeezing. <laughs> it's squeezing really tight, but we're being held more tightly. God is holding on to us. I will recall to them the covenant with the early ones. Right? Hashem says, I am their God, and I will not stop being their God. And that is what it takes. Because the alternative is Hashem says, okay, fine, it's over. God forbid, right? The covenant's over, that would be, then we'd be destroyed. That would be that Hashem says, okay, I'm rejecting them. I will be disgusted with them, and I'll destroy them. Finished. It's over. Right? So that won't happen, which is good for us. That's very, very, very good news. It's the very good news in the suffering is that God is holding us very, very tightly. He's not letting go. What we want to do is also hold so tightly. Okay. Now, Vizacharti. Hashem says, I will remember the covenant with Yaakov. So we've mentioned this before. Zechira, we, we fulfill Zechira through speech. Zechira is bringing something to the forefront of our consciousness. It's something that's already in our mind, but maybe we're not actively thinking about it. Lee's core to remember something is to put it into the forefront of consciousness. And we usually do that through speech. But with, when it comes to Hashem, it doesn't make sense to say that Hashem puts something to the forefront of his mind. We don't, really, we don't understand what that means, of course. But certainly, um, according to if you, if, uh, the way that Ramchal, for sure, like approaches this in um, the Sefer HaGeula, is that there's different phases to Geula. There's Zechira and there's Pekida. Meaning, Zechira is when the Geula, there's some kind of activation of it. So with, with ourselves, we say we have to say something in order to remember. That doesn't mean people can't remember without speaking out loud. But when we want to fulfill a mitzvah of saying, Zachor, as Yom HaShabbos Lakacha, remember the Shabbos, to say it's holy, then we say Kiddush. That's the fulfillment of the mitzvah to remember Shabbos, is saying Kiddush, right? Zachor, Sasher, Asal, Lecha, Amalek. Remember what Amalek did to you. How do we do that? 
we read out loud the passage of Amalek, or we listen completely without missing a word to someone reading it out loud on our behalf. Okay, because when you say it out loud, number one, it creates a reality. It's a creative act. It puts it into the physical world, and it puts it into the forefront of our mind. So we're supposed to understand from how it works for us, that's how much we're supposed to understand about God. We don't understand Hashem. So Hashem uses words that people can relate to in terms of how it works for us. There is a creative act that's called being in the forefront of God's mind, a creation into reality of that thing that, that God is, so to speak, thinking about. So when Zechira comes, when the Zechira phase of a Geula comes, of a redemption comes, it's actually starting to happen. Some beginning happens, right? Hashem calls to Moshe at the burning bush. When he remembers, right, he hears the cries of the Jewish people and he remembers what he promised the forefathers, the very next thing is he calls Moshe. He says, guess what? You're going to go into Egypt. People didn't see that something had started happening yet. But something actually started to happen. Because that's different. Cried out, you're saying. Be- that's, that's the Zechira. That's God remembering, okay. so to speak. What is God remembering? God doesn't forget. Right. There's, no for- there's no forgetting before the Kisei HaKavod. There's no such concept. right? So what we have to do is understand from the language that Hashem himself presented it to us is the word Zechira. What do we know about Zechira? Only what we know about ourselves about Zechira. I mean, we can't understand God. So what we are to take from it is what we can understand about it, which is that to remember something means it's actively in my mind right now, not to be recalled later, not was recalled before. And it means putting it into speech, meaning putting it into some kind of action. Speech is the smallest form of action. Takes it from the purely intangible inside of my mind or inside of my heart and turns it into something that's a part of the physical world. That's speech, the smallest form of action. Okay, so whenever we see in the Torah, Hashem remembered, what it means is something is being put into action. And he's only doing that to teach us how to do it? Because he never forgets. No, he uses the word vizacharti in the Torah. The Torah speaks in the language of people. That's the way Rashi puts it. What does that mean the Torah speaks in the language of people? So the Torah says God reached out with an outstretched hand, arm or with a mighty hand. Well, what does that mean? God doesn't have a hand. God doesn't have an arm. God doesn't have a memory in the way that we understand it. Some things we remember better, some worse, right? The the Torah uses words that we relate to our own experience, and from this we understand how to relate to him. We don't understand him. We understand how to relate to him. That's the best we can do. It's harder the forgetting one because it implies... There's something negative about it. Like why Anything, any extent to which God is... We're just used to hearing the outstretched arm one. But that would also be a tremendous right. limiter. The idea, what do you mean? An outstretched arm? And it could like, it be instretched? Like sometimes it's not working. It, you know, he's like doing it. And the other one's like, oh, until now I didn't think about it. And right. But Zaharti, right. So Zaharti is a positive, but what Zaharti tells you is that there's an action beginning. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was really my point here. Right? It is an important factor, though. Look, everything in the world is a physical expression of a spiritual reality, right? We've spoken about this. Okay, Rabbi, um, Rabbi Gifter said, what is the reason that there are fences? Why did God create fences in the world? So we think, what's the purpose of a fence? Protect. To protect or to define a space between, or right? That's not the purpose of a fence. 
In this world, there's such a thing as fences. And fences serve to demarcate the lines between properties, to say this is this, this is that. Fences serve to, div to cause division, right? So I'm on one side, you're on the other side. There can be some, a barrier. A fence is a barrier, right? It's a barrier between properties. It's a barrier. It could be protective. It could be defensive. It's a barrier. The purpose of fences is that we should understand that there is a concept of fence. There's a concept of boundaries. There's a concept of barriers. There could be a concept of us feeling a barrier between us and Hashem. We need to have fences in this world so that we can understand that there's a spiritual concept of a fence. It's not that it looks like a fence, like white pickets problem. attached together in wood. Right, it's a problem there's fences between us and Hashem. It might be a problem. Fences have two purposes. They also let you get much closer together. That's it. That's a, that's a little bit of a different topic, right? We kind of mentioned that last week. A mechitza, right? The purpose of a mechitza, the purpose of a barrier, a boundary, a dividing thing, is dual. It separates two things, but it also allows them to come much closer. If those two things are not able to be in the same space, then the mechitza allows them to be much, much closer together than they otherwise could be. You don't have, you, you cut down the line of sight, so if two people shouldn't see each other while they're davening put a mechitza up and all of a sudden they could be six inches apart and there's no problem. They can't see each other. Right? So my, my point wasn't the comment on whether the fence is good or bad. Mm -hmm. It was that there's a concept of a fence. There's a spiritual concept of a fence that we would not, we would have no language for it. So what do we have to work with? We have what we tangibly experience in the world and then we have a vocabulary of words that expresses what we experience in the world. And the Torah speaks to us using that vocabulary. The Torah speaks to us in a vocabulary which is far beyond. I mean, the depth of the words, we can't begin to understand the spiritual realities that are expressed by the words. What we can understand from them is the physical realities expressed by the words. That we could understand with a lot of hard work. And then we can reach beyond, we can stretch our understanding of the physical into the spiritual and recognize that there is a spiritual reality that was referred to by those words and strive to touch some piece of that and to grasp some piece of that. Hashem remembers the covenant with Yaakov, the office brisi Yitzchak, also the covenant with Yitzchak. And also the covenant with Yaakov he will remember and the land he will remember. Okay, Rashi. I didn't put the Rashi here, I'm sorry. And there's two aspects I want to bring here, both of which are brought in the Rashi. The first one is really the last one. Why does it not say remembered by Yitzchak? If you look at this Pasuk, Hashem says he will remember the covenant of Yaakov. <coughs> he, will re he will also remember the covenant of Avraham. But about Yitzchak, it just says, and even the covenant of Yitzchak. It doesn't say anything about remembering it. Okay. There's something different about the covenant of Yitzchak and how Hashem is relating to it. Here's what Rashi says. The ashes of Yitzchak are within my line of sight piled together resting upon the Mizbeach. Yeah. Okay. So if zechira is the beginning of an action that is taken toward, in this case, geula, I think almost in every case geula, but I can't say that's absolutely certain. I haven't checked all the cases. The ones I've come across are an activation of geula, as a matter of fact. 
<coughs> and <coughs> it's an activation where it was not active before. Whatever it means that this is in the forefront of God's mind, that this is what he's looking at, so to speak, because whatever he's, is active in Hashem's mind is what is existing. That's the reality. So with Yaakov, that isn't Dafka there all, at all times. It can come forward. And with Avraham, it isn't there at all times. It can come forward. And with Yitzchak, it is always forward. We don't need to, the Torah didn't need to say to remember about Yitzchak. The covenant with Yitzchak is always before Hashem. And the form that it takes is his ashes on the Mizbeach. Now, he wasn't actually burnt. Right? So the Maharal says, says, this is, yeah, because he fully gave himself over. He gave himself, he gave himself over to the extent that when his father raised the knife, his soul left his body. He says, this is it, I'm dead. He was resuscitated. He really had a tchias amesim there on the Mizbeach. Okay, so the ashes, he comes into reality as a korban. He's not allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael after that. He's a korban. He has become fully, he's given over his entire physical life to the Midas Adin and to being the korban. And that stays before Hashem all the time. There's no fluctuation in me, that's a din. It's always, and it's unified. Okay. So this is piece number one. Is that possible? Let me show you. Yeah. Sorry to just, um, well, I don't tie this in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, um, with what we're doing, because I don't know. Yeah, we're going to come to it. Yeah, okay. we don't know yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> we don't know yet. Tie it right, like that. where did we come from? How do we, yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Why do we get here? Um, Okay. Okay. So in Perkei Avos, sorry. Okay. Oh. Oh, you're reminding me. I owe somebody money. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank you. Drop off. <laughs> Check. They said that Yitzchak. I mean, I learned something that Yitzchak died because he had the same shema as. Sarah, like I can't say. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That things that I don't understand about. To be able to be, have to, to be able to have children with um, Rivka. Yeah. But things I don't understand too much about. He needed some kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Like for what it means. Okay. It's pretty amazing. Okay. Perkei Avos, Perachamishi, Mishnah Tess. Asara Dvarm, I'm sorry, it's not on there either. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to update this. Uh, see, I wrote here, add to source sheet of those five nine. Okay. Asara Dvarm Nivru Be'erav Shabbos. This source sheet can use improvement, sorry. Bein Hashemashos Ve'eluhain. Ten things were created on Erev Shabbos, Bein Hashemashos, during dusk. Okay, between Shkia and Seis. So the world was created in six days, and on the seventh day is Shabbos. But there's a time between the six days of creation and Shabbos, which is the time between, like, candle lighting and seis, right? Where it's a blend. It's partly the weekday, and it's partly the Shabbos. Halachically, the only halach I know that is relevant to that is that if you've taken in Shabbos, 
and it's bein hashmashos, but it's not seis, and you should ask a rav halacha lamaisa. I'm just telling you the concept that there is such a thing, that you could ask, let's say, a non-Jew to do something. You could ask them directly during that time. You know, and then you walk in, you realize the kitchen light is off, or the heater's off, or the stove wasn't turned on. That it could be that you could ask a non-Jew directly to turn it on for you. Well, stove is maybe a dangerous thing to have somebody start turning on for you. You make all your food trafe by mistake, but. Right, you could ask somebody why because it's it's Shabbos, but it isn't Shabbos. So the restriction of the chachamim that you're not allowed to ask somebody to do for you that which you can't do for yourself, it could be that's allowed. Don't paskin based on me. Go ask a rabbi. But if you have somebody in your house who's non-Jewish and a housekeeper or something like that, so it could be it's a relevant thing to know. There is a difference in this space. It's like an hour. It's no, it's much less than an hour. Eighteen minutes, right? No, it's um, in America. I don't know. It's eighteen or twenty minutes between sunset and dark. For sure, if you lie 18 minutes before sunset, so that would also be within that time. If, if it's between, if you look at, again, don't act based on what I said. Just ask a rabbi. But as far as I understand, the concept of the halacha, the principle of the halacha, let's say I light my candles. So probably my girls are included in taking in Shabbos. But men normally don't take in Shabbos until Kabbalah Shabbos. So let's say your husband's still home. You lit candles. Your husband's home. He's, he's running off to shul, right? And then you go, oh, my goodness, I forgot to turn the oven on. You say, honey, could you turn the oven on, please? Right. Yeah, but why are you allowed to ask somebody to do something you're not allowed to do? It's Shabbos for you. You can't ask somebody to do something you're not allowed to do yourself. The reason you're allowed to is because... You could then. I, like, yeah, I yeah, so that's what I'm say. saying. Don't change your oh. behavior. <laughs> you would hint or whatever. Okay, yeah. so don't change your behavior based on what I'm saying. I'm telling you there's such a principle in the halacha, and then you could go ask a shaila and find out exactly how you could behave in that situation. Okay. So 10 things were created on Erev Shabbos Bein Hashmashos. This is interesting. Things that, that weren't created within their particular day of the six days of creation, they're somehow saved here for a special time going into the period of Shabbos. I will tell you that Rav David Cohen really develops this theme that these items are specific for the end of time for the Messianic era or the pre-Messianic era. If we think of the, the Messianic era, the days of Mashiach is the Shabbos of the world, right? There's 6,000 years in the world and the 7,000 is the times of the Mashiach. Then the era of Shabbos, Bein Hashmashos, is the, the Achris Hayomim, let's say, the end of days, which we are either in or approaching very, very rapidly. Seems like time's we're speeding like 22 up. 22 years into we don't know. Okay. We so don't know. If someone tells you they know the number, Rocky, then we can't. Mizrahi, he says that yeah. we You're not supposed to believe if someone gives you numbers. No, no, not when Mashiach coming. He says if you say that, then we right. don't believe You're it. Out. He right. says that, it, that there's a time that Mashiach is going to come that if, if it's in our merit, we're, he didn't come. Now we're past that time, and we're 22 years into the time where he has to come within the, the era of it developing whatever. naturally, regardless. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So already 22 years. I don't know about the about the number of years, but yeah, it certainly feels like we're in this time. We're in this era. Interesting. So it seems like we're in this era. If you look at all the prophecies, everything, it seems to describe where we are. Sorry, ten things were created, Ben Hashmashos, and these things. Um, and are these are what they are. Pihar. Oh, okay. The mouth of the and land. And what does this have to the, do with Mashiach? These things have to do with that Mashiach? That Rav David Cohen brings, really fleshes out this theme that these ten things have specific ties to the end of days. But we're not going to be able to go into that topic now, but it's an interesting topic. Yeah. And that's why they, they, they were created in that slot of time. Okay. They're all, and they're all miraculous things. 
Did you say the mouth of the whale? Yeah, it's called Pihar. It's the mouth of the meaning where the earth opened. That's the, the earth that opened up to swallow Korach. Piha Be'er, the mouth of the well, meaning the opening in the ground where the Be'er Miriam, the well of Miriam, right, when they were in the desert, opened up. Piha Ason, the mouth of the donkey. That's Bilam's donkey. It's also like, what? That's so important that we had to create it then? It's interesting, right? Hakeshes, the rainbow. Thank you. The rainbow. Vehamon, the mon, the manna. Okay, which was a food that like kind of didn't exist before. All of a sudden, it shows up, and everyone's like, "What is this?" The hamate, the staff, which is Moshe's Moshe's stick that was his his tool for miracles. The hashamir, the shamir is a worm or insect that was used to cut the stones for the mizbeach because you can't use metal. Haksav the hamichta v'haluchos, written letters, writing, and the luchos that the Aseris Hadivros were written on. Haksav, v'hamichtav, and writing. Written characters and writing. What's the difference? I don't know. Got it. Okay. This is very awesome stuff. And the luchos. Okay. Some say, yesh omrim, some say, and now here come three possible ones. Av hamazikin, mazikin, which is some kind of harmful forces. Ukvuraso shel Moshe, the burial place of Moshe. Ve'elo shel Avraham Avinu, and the ram of Avraham Avinu. At least now you could see why we got over to here. Sort of, right? And some say, yeshomrim aftzvas bitzvas asuya. And uh, some say also the first tongs, because you need tongs to make tongs, because you have to hold them in the fire to shape them. So how would you shape it? So the first tongs. Okay. <laughs> Hey. All right, so the Elo show of Ramavinu, the, the Ayel, right? So when I, I mean, uh, you, we don't need to open the verses, right? We, we know basically what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That at the Akedah, he lifted up his hands and he's got the knife and the, the knife starts to drop and the Malach says, stop, don't allow your hand to go all the way. And he's there and he's prepared for a korban and he looks and he sees that there's Ayel Acharnechaz Basvach, a ram, Right, a male sheep that is entangled in the bushes by its horn, and he brings this as the korban. Okay, so as Rav Hirsch puts it, the ram became the symbol for all future sacrifices, by which man selflessly pledges all of his being, his skills, his endeavors, and his achievements to the fulfillment of God's will for all times to come. I'm going to just review that thought for a minute. Rav Hirsch says, actually just, a week or two ago, right? Because we just read Akedah Yitzchak. With the Akedah, Yitzchak made himself the korban. He becomes the prototype for all of our karbanos on Har HaMoria, on, on, in the base of Mikdash, because that's where they were. And then he is replaced with an animal. That's what has to continue, meaning that is the, that is the model of all karbanos that follow is that it's not that we're just slaughtering some animal and giving up financially. It was meant to it's me. I'm, there's a process of making myself fully dedicated and given over to Hashem. I, he says the children of Yitzchak, that's us, continue our lives continuing the Akedah. Yeah. Yitzchak himself continued living. So you have a full Akedah, and yet it continu- 
he, he's going to give himself over for death, and yet he's going to keep on living. That's, we continue the Akedah. It, we do it in Shema, where we give ourselves over 100%. We are Mekabel to die al Kiddush Hashem. When we say Shema, the Karbanos are replaced by our tefillah now. Okay? Really what we should do is then have an animal, a physical body that we really relate to. It's not that we like don't care what happens to the animal. It's that you see an animal and it's a living being with a physical body. It's everything but the neshama. And we, in giving everything over, then turn and end up sort of, uh, what would be the word, like sublimating that over to the animal. But it's us that's supposed to be giving ourselves over to Hashem. And the animal is elevated by becoming a part of that on our behalf and with us and becoming a tool for that. And we continue living. And in our tefillos, we're doing that. We haven't gotten to all of it yet, right? But in brachos, it's with our body. We give over the body. We dedicate fully everything. Our eyes, our ability to think, our ability to walk, everything, that, everything physical that we have, we are both thanking Hashem for and dedicating it to His service. When we move to Psuke de Zimra, it will be our emotional lives. When we move to Kriyashma, it will be our intellectual lives and our will. And when we move into Shemona Esrei, it's at the level of Neshama and, and Ratzon. Okay? So we are going to reenact an Akedah. <laughs> when we stand in Shemona Esrei, we hold our hands together, we hold our feet together, we're binding ourselves like Isaac on the Mizbeach. <laughs> we are literally like, and we can't even speak, we barely move. We can't. Like we have to say, Hashem, you open my mouth. Because at this point, my body is given over completely. I have no power. It's only your power. That's why you say Hashem's Tiftah. I can't even open my (laughs) mouth to speak. I have no power. You have the power. I have no power. That's a piece of it. And that's how it ties into binding? That that does tie to the binding. That was Mm -hmm. really an aside a little bit. Mm -hmm. We've we've gone off a little bit. Oh, I see what you're saying about the Ozer Yisrael Mm Begvura. No, it's not exactly how it ties to the binding. Sorry. It does, but it doesn't. Okay. So... This is the giving the whole self over. Now I'm going to move to something else. They will come together. It will depend a little how late. I know we started late, so it's going to depend how late also people can stay, how we want to play that out, or divide, I hate to divide it up right here. Okay. One other thing to notice in this postdoc, Vizacharti is Brisi Yaakov. Hashem says, I will remember the covenant with Yaakov. And the word Yaakov has an extra vav. You see that? So the O sound Yaakov is with a full cholam instead of just a dot over the kuf. But Yaakov is not normally spelled that way. Right. All right, so here's the Rashi. Bechamisha mekomos nichtav mole. There are five places where the name of Yaakov is spelled male, filled. Okay, that's with, the, with that vav. The Eliyahu chaser bechamisha. Yeah. Coming from one to the other? There are five places where Eliyahu is spelled without a vav. Eliyah. Mm-hmm. Without a vav. Yaakov notal os mishmoshel Eliyahu eravon. Yaakov took a letter from the name of Eliyahu as a pledge. Pledge as in you borrow money and you give somebody something to hold on to, like a deposit. Uh, like, you know, when you borrow a stroller a at the, and they, a guarantee, right. 
and you give them your credit card and they hold the credit card while you go shopping or whatever using their stroller and then you come back and you trade it back. Okay? He took it as a pledge. Sheyavo, the Eliyahu will come, vivaser geulas banav. And he will announce the geula of his children. So Yaakov took the vavs Yaakov takes Eliyahu. five vavs from Eliyahu. We need to delve into this a little more because it's yeah. both awesome and what? Yeah. I don't even understand what that meant, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry, I blanked out for the piece, one second. No, you he didn't blank it. out. He took it as a pledge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not a blank. It's, it's, yeah. it's like very mysterious. No, but and I'm not promising that you'll understand it perfectly when we're done. He took it as either. a pledge for what? That he will come and sheyavo, that he will come, vivaser, and he will give the news of geulas banav, the redemption of his children. Eliyahu mevaser geula, right? Vivaser lanu besoros tovos. We say it in benching, right? He'll come and give us the good news that Eliyahu will come and announce our geula. Eliyahu. Yaakov is holding a pledge from Eliyahu that he, so to speak, will not give back to him until he comes and pledges the geula and, and informs us of the geula. Okay, so first I'm going to read you. I think I didn't catch the okay. We didn't catch it the third time either, I assure you. Yaakov takes a letter from his name. I think I need three copies uh, before I come here. <laughs> no, this is, you never know what you're going to get. Are you going to get, you know, like a, kick, a, a kick in the back or are you going to get a, okay. No, it's, this is also very deep and mysterious, and it hasn't played out yet for us to fully understand. You know, some of the sometimes you read the prophecies in the Torah, and the Mephoshim will explain them. And since they've already happened, you can see how it played out. But we're talking here about one that we don't see how it played out. So it's still shrouded with a great deal of mystery for us as to what that actually looks like. Remember we were saying, like, the words of the Torah, but we have to connect it to that which we know. But when we start talking about Geula, it's not that which we know except if you look back maybe at Mitzrayim or personal experiences of Geula, but on a national, we really don't know what that looks like. Okay, Yaakov, then I'm reading from the Gurarye, which is the Maharal's commentary to Rashi. It's also interesting midos for him to hold. I'm going to hold, I'll hold on to that, thank you. Well, Yahu and Yaakov are closely connected. And why five? Why not why, just one Yeah, five? okay, good, good. We're going to try and touch on all this why five. Let me just throw that in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm so sorry. We'll, but we'll, we'll finish. I'll keep recording no, so you so can hear the end. Yeah, it's okay. All right. So the Re'aim explains why five places. Why five places does he take it? It's because he's swearing by the five books of the Torah that he will come. That Hashem swears by the five books of the Torah that he will come and command them. Now, that he will come and redeem them. Okay. That Hashem, Hashem has promised in the five books of the Torah or by the five books of the Torah that he will redeem us. Hashem said that. That Hashem is promising to redeem us. And therefore he takes a fivefold. Yaakov says, I'll take a fivefold pledge. Thank you. <laughs> that that's going to happen. Right. Now, now that, that statement of the Re'im seems also like one of those, like, it's nice, but what does it mean statements? But remember, we already talked a little bit about the idea that this covenant, this bris, is that Hashem will not let go of us by means of the Torah. We will not let go of him by means of Torah. Meaning Torah and mitzvahs is this belt that we're all hanging on to. Hashem will not let go of us. We will not let go of him. He will not allow us to be destroyed in the gallows. And he will remember the covenant and he will redeem us because he is our God. Okay, so this five books of the Torah now is not such a 
just nice sounding, okay, it's five, five are the books of the Torah, like Uncle Moishi's song, right? Like, right, in the Haggadah, who knows five? I know five, five of the books of the Torah. It sounds like the Re'em was saying it first, only out of my own ignorance, right? I heard the Re'em say, why five? Five are the books of the Torah. <laughs> like, no, five are the books of the Torah. Five are the thing, that is the covenant that we're all hanging on to, is this covenant of Torah, Hashem is hanging on to us. We're hanging on to him through the covenant of Torah. That is why we will be redeemed. It's why we'll suffer the gullus, and it's also why we'll be redeemed. So the, 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 the five books of Hamishah um, Chum Torah is kind of like a belt? That's it kind of is. It kind of is. Okay. Okay, I can't point you to an exact source that says that directly, but as we go on, I think you'll, you'll come to see that it seems to be. All right. It's not so surprising. The closest source I could say was Rav Schwab, who actually points out this idea. He says, when we're thanking Hashem, Ozer Yisrael Begvura, for belting us with might, that we are thanking him for the strength to control our animal aspect in accordance with Torah. Meaning, if we didn't have Torah and mitzvos, we would have no, we would have no instructions. How do you do that? How do you be a person? How do you become a full human being? With a, with a malach trying to ride an animal and get somewhere with it. Like, what, what is that? So it, it is the Torah that gives us, that is that supernatural assistant that we require to rein in our Yitzhahara, but not only to rein it in as in to repress it, but to actually ride it, right? To use it as a vehicle to get somewhere with. Okay, I'm going to go on with this Maharal here. Okay, he quoted the Re'em. Now, he says, when a person gives a pledge... You also give over the hand. Okay, maybe, I'm not sure exactly if he's saying that you shake hands on it, I'm not abs or if you raise your hand to make the, I'm not sure, it's not clear to me from his language. What he's referring to, it's a handing over of the hand with its five fingers on the hand. And so he ta it's like he's taking the pledge from Eliyawanavi, he's taking this five fingers of his hand. He's, hold he's holding hands with Eliyawanavi to hold this pledge. And the vavs look like the fingers of the hand. It's the Maharal speaking. I wouldn't suggest that, okay? So they are missing from Eliyahu, and they're held onto by Yaakov. Now, what it, why is it taken out of his name? This is, this is kind of the real point of the Maharal that I wanted to say. The other parts are, are nice and probably have a lot more depth to them than I've been able to begin to discover. It's interesting. But why does the Medrash tell us that what, what is the message of this Midrash, which Rashi quoted? That Yaakov takes a letter out of the name of Eliyahu. What it's telling us, the name of a person describes his tafkid. It describes his essence in the world and what he is meant to achieve. Eliyahu is created to redeem the Jewish people, to announce that and to do it. Until he has done it, his name is incomplete. Yaakov says, you can't have this vav till you're done, till it's whole. The job will be whole, your life will be whole. You know, Eliyahu never died. Right. Like, interesting. It's like, here's a perfect person, but the, <laughs> the tafkid's not done. Right, and, and Yaakov's name didn't change when he added the vav, but Eliyahu's does. Elia, yeah, the sound of it changes. Right. Yaakov's, the sound doesn't change, but the name becomes more filled, yeah. Okay. 
because his name is not complete, because his whole co-atzmo, his whole self of Eliyahu, is there in order to redeem the children of Yaakov. So a letter of his name goes over to Yaakov and waiting for him to fill up the name of Yaakov. So he's taking, it's like a pledge, meaning on behalf of my children, on behalf of me and my children, we are holding something that belongs to you. Come, come and get it. Come and get it. Until you come and get it, you know, then we'll give it to you. Everyone's happy. Everyone's complete. You know, it's interesting because Eliyahu Hanabi held the keys and the vav looks Very like the key. Um, so like yeah, if you be. take the, you know, like the old uh -huh. key, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. Yeah. So like, it, I don't know, it makes me think of that because right, well, he had the... So the, the letter key. Vav, yeah, well, no? Hashem ha it says Hashem handed them over and then took them back, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, like he certainly <laughs> had use. El Elisha yeah. also, but Elisha is definitely an extension of Eliyahu. Right. Okay, um, but the letter Vav. So I had occasion to ask the Rosh Hashiva Rav Yitzchak Schwartz, why the Vav? <laughs> I was just learning this, this is a while ago. I said, why? Why is it a letter vav? And he said, the vav is the letter of MS. Hmm. Now, afterward, he didn't give me a source for it. It happens to be he's a very big bucky in in um, the writings of Rav Tzadok, among other things, Rav Tzadok Akoin of Lublin. And a few years later, I found in the parish of Rav Tzadok that's on the Haggadah that he brings based on the Zohar that Vav is the letter of MS. Meaning I didn't know the source of it, I only I heard it from Schwartz, it was good enough for me, you know. But it happens to be that I saw afterward the source in Rav Tzadok and I wouldn't be surprised if that was happened. Meaning recent, very recently Rav Schwartz actually published a book in English of a selection of Divrei Torah from Rav Tzadok on the Parsha called Pre Tzadik, which is really very nice. But um, it's a great book. Pre Tzadik? Pre Tzadik. Rav, Rav, by who again? You said by, by Rav Tzadok. Tzadok. By, Tzadok. by Rav Tzadok, but it's it. But the person who wrote this book is Rav Yitzchak Schwartz, published by Mosaica Press. Okay, Yaakov is called the Ish Ms, right? Yaakov is always associated with Ms. You'll have Chesed Gvura Ms or Tiferes, right? Yaakov is Ms. It's this letter Vav. Yaakov can take the Vav because the Vav is the letter that represents Ms. Eliyahu Hanavi was also a man of MS. Okay, this is, I'm telling you, is what Rav Schwartz, this is what I understood from what Rav Schwartz told me. Eliyahu Hanavi was also a person of MS. But it was such pure MS, it was hard to live with. It was hard to live with. It was uh, telling you how it really is. <laughs> this is really how it is, right? How long will you stand on two sides, right? He gave a lot of Musar. Eliyahu Navi gave a lot of Musar to the point where Hashem finally kind of made him hide out for a long time, right? And there was this drought because Eliyahu Navi said there's going to be a drought. There won't be rain. Hashem was not so excited about that, it seems like. If you look at the way the Navi is written, Hashem was, doesn't seem so pleased that, ya, that Eliyahu was putting the people through that, so to speak. Even though it was just, it was MS, it was truth, it's not the only way to teach. Right. Okay. A little more mercy. Well, I yeah, I mean, the problem, is that, <laughs> the problem is that with mercy, things also drag out, meaning you end up with a goal. Right. I mean, it goes so both in ways. The end, it could be more merciful to so in the end, Hashem essentially says to Eliyahu Hanavi, are they your people or my people? 
Is this your covenant or my covenant we're defending here? And he, he's, Eliyahu is defending the covenant of Hashem, the bris of Hashem. And Hashem says, you know what? These are my people. It's my covenant. And it's up to me, really. And Hashem makes him go to every bris, bris, Mm-hmm. Right? Because he has denounced the Jewish people for not keeping their covenant with Hashem, the bris of Hashem. Hashem says, you go to every single bris. You will go witness it. You will see it. You will give your blessing upon it. Mm-hmm. It's not a punishment, but it's a, it is a repair. Okay? And the vav of Emes is removed from his name in five places. Hashem says, I'm taking the vav of my covenant back. I'm putting it with Yaakov until such time as you're able to come and announce the covenant as geula, not as suffering. Sorry, could you repeat it? He goes to every bris to repair what? He goes to every bris to witness that we are maintaining the covenant with Hashem. Okay. That's when, we, when we perform a bris milah, it is the os bris. It is the sign of a covenant. Okay, the bris itself is... The Mila is not the covenant. It's the sign that we have the covenant and that we are keeping our, si- our side of it. Mm-hmm. Right? We call it putting the child into the bris of Avram Avinu. Women are also part of the bris of Avram Avinu. We don't have a Mila, but we're part of the bris. Right? It's the sign of the bris. Eliyahu goes. And this Vav of Emes is removed from him a little bit until such time as he will come and he will announce the bris, the covenant of Hashem as Geula not only as the suffering because we're not keeping it. He's also associated that there's associations of Pinchas with Eliyahu and Yaakov. The Pinchas is Yaakov, but it's the same soul is expressed in Pinchas as in Eliyahu and Yaakov. And he has the Brisi Shalom, a covenant, a bris of Shalom. And the, the word Shalom has a vav that's broken, that's missing a bit. Yeah, you have to look it up. No, I'm just trying to like finish the sentence. He goes to every bris so that he can see that we're keeping our... Yeah, our it's like he has to give a bracha, hands. and he also gives right. a bracha. Like, it's a, it's a positive support that right. we are, through all of this... We are doing we it. We are... Hang, yeah. Right. Okay, so then... And then he removed the vav to... Uh, and give it to Yaakov till such time when Eliyahu can come back. We'll come back and, and announce the, the fulfillment of the bris to the positive. Right? That we're both keeping our side of the bris. Hashem is keeping his side of the covenant as well. Okay. But do we have time for like one more piece to this? Not so much. Yes and no. Okay. So we'll see how far we get. I I do want to bring this last joining piece because it all belongs together. And I'll keep recording also. Okay. So if we look at... Here's what the Yalkut brings. Bringing from the Pirkei the Rabbi Eliezer and Malachim. No, sorry, got to go back. We have a source here, which is probably the first source, the beginning. Okay, so this is the very beginning of the second book of Kings, Malachim Beis, which is really, Malachim's one book, but some bishop decided it should be divided into two pieces. So everybody just uses this convention for reasons that are not perfectly clear to me. All right. And Vayiv Shamov Israel Acharimos. Achav Moav rebelled against Israel after the death of Achav. Vayipolachazio Baad Hasvacha, which is interesting because the word Svacha, which is a lattice, defined here as a lattice, okay? So he fell through a lattice in his upper chamber in Shomron and he became ill. 
he got hurt. He finally got hurt. Um, but svach is also related to the word svach, which is spelled slightly differently, in Bereshis, where Avraham found the ayil, the ram, tangled up in the svach, in the foliage. Okay, so Ahazi gets tangled up in his <laughs> house foliage, and he became ill, and he sent messengers, and he said to them, Lechu dirshu b'val zavuv. Go and seek out, uh, we're not going to talk today about why I made bold the word dirshu. Go and seek out, go and investigate, ask of Baal Zavuv, which is an avodazara of the plishtim, Elohe Ekron, the god of Ekron, if I will recover from the sickness. Will I stay sick or will I get better? And the malach of Hashem came to Eliyah Hatishbi. We got a missing vav. And said to him, You go and meet, you know, God has his messengers and the king's got his messengers. One is people, one is Malachim and Eliyahu and Navi. Malach Habris. Eliyahu is called Malach Habris. Hashem says to Eliyahu Hatishbi, Go up and meet those messengers. And you say to them, You telling me there's no God in the Jewish people? You have to go ask the God of Ekron? What a contrast and what a harsh statement. It's not even like, we're talking about Nevoda Zara of the Jewish people. You're going to go talk to like, uh, you're going to go inquire of the priests of some statue of a fly. This is what. For of rotting putridness. Eliyahu. Yeah, Hashem tells Eliyahu, you go say to them, right? You need to go ask the God of rotting and decay and you have the living God of Israel here? What is this? You're a king. And therefore says Hashem, this is the message that he's going to continue giving. Thou shalt not, I'm moving to the English in the interest of time, thou, and this is an unusual translation at the best of times. Thou shalt not come down from the bed whither thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. In other words, you're in bed because you're sick, you're going to stay there. You're not getting up from your sick bed. You're going to die. And Eliyahu went to do the job. Again, missing the vav. That's the second place. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. And so the messengers come back, and the king says, wait, why are you back? That wasn't long enough. You had to go to Ekron. Ekron's like past Ashkelon. <laughs> Why are you back so soon? A man came to greet us. And he said to us, Go back to the king, who sent you. And you should say to him, This is what God the Creator said. Are there no gods of Israel that you have to go and seek out advice from the, from the Avodazaras of Ekron? You will not get up. So now the, the messengers come back messengers to the king Ahaziah. The messengers of king Ahaziah return to him, and he says, why are you back so soon? And they said, because we went on the way, and a man came and met us part of the way there. And he told us a message from God. He said, go back and tell your king this message. So we came back to tell you the message. I mean, come on, these are Jews. They, could have, they got a prophecy from Hashem. They're going to come back and give it to him. They're not going to keep going on the job, even though you go, when the king tells you to do a job, you go on a job. They said, you're going to die. Here's the message. And he said to them, Wait a minute. What kind of person was this you, man, you met up with? Sorry. They, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I, what kind of person is this that you met up with? 
that you decided you're going to not do the message, the, 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 the task that I sent you to go do? And you're going to interrupt and come back and give me this message, which, by the way, was not the message I was hoping to hear. Right. Possibly the reason he didn't ask Hashem in the first place. He was hoping to get a different kind of report from Baal Zavuv. I don't know. Speculating there. Who told you these things. And they said to him, Ish Baal Seyar. He was hairy. The Azor or Azur Bimasnav. And he was wearing a leather belt on his waist. Vayomar, and the king said, Eliyahu Hatishbihu. That must be Eliyahu Hatishbi. Now that's, from that description, he knew. <laughs> he had a lot of hair and a belt. Vayishlach Eilav Sarchamishim, and he sent the messengers, and I've highlighted here, there is a fourth place also within this passage that is four of the five places where Eliyahu Hatishbi is missing his vav, are this chapter. Okay, I highlighted the four of them for you, plus two deer shoes for a different reason. That's four of the five right here. One of which is, he is a hairy man wearing a leather belt on his waist. That's how you know it's Eliyahu. All right, so the Yalkut quotes the Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer. What is this? A hairy man wearing a leather belt. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa Omer. You've heard of Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, right? He shows up a lot in the kids' books as well. Yeah, yeah. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa said, Oso ayel shenivra bein hashmashos. You see, I really did try to pull the threads together. It's just that we got a little off track. The, that ram that was created during the twilight of the first week of creation not one thing of it was wasted. Uh, and that was the battle. Not one thing of it was wasted. The, the ashes of that ram form the foundation of the inner Mizbeach. We also know that God has his eyes upon them always, right? From right. a different source. Yidim shalo, the ligaments, the muscles, which, you know, you can't really eat them. You can't, what do you, the ligaments. Haya asara nevelim or or nimin shall kinor shahaya david minagembo. The ten, make the ten, symmetric. The ten strings of the harp yeah. of David HaMelech. Some say it had seven strings, and in the time to come it will have ten. It's also like a classic sort of, that David HaMelech played on. Oro, its skin, who azor or bimasnav shel Eliyahu zichron levracha. The leather of the skin of that ram is the belt of leather that Eliyahu Hanavi wears. Kaino shall small its left horn, who shetaka har Sinai, was the horn blown at Har Sinai, the shofar blast that was heard around the world. At Har Sinai was blasted through the left horn of this isle, shenemar vayihi kol hashofar, the, the voice of the shofar was heard and increasing. Why the shofar? Why would you know any specific shofar? It's a particular shofar. Karno shel yamin, the right hand horn, shehigdola mishel small, which always means bigger, right? The right is bigger than the left or stronger than the left. Shehu asid litkoa. This bit, um, ba la asid lavo. This is the shofar that God will blow through 
in Asid Lavo to announce the redemption. It will be on that day. God will blow the, the bigger shofar. Okay. Whoa. That's how you could recognize Eliyahu Anavi. He's wearing the leather, a belt made of the skin of the ram at the Akeda. And the left shofar was... The left shofar was blown at Harsinai. The right one at the redemption. Okay. Which is why, by the way, on Rosh Hashanah, the Maharal brings this. Why do we blow the shofar of a ram, ideally, on Rosh Hashanah? You can blow any kosher animal's horn, but why a ram is better? So Hashem says, To remember the Akedas Yitzchak. We even read that in our laning on Rosh Hashanah. And I will consider it for you as if you had brought yourselves up at the Akedah. Okay. And for Hashem will consider it of us if we blow the shofar, but it's we're supposed to feel that we're bringing ourselves up with that Akedah. It, it's supposed to remind us and God of the Akedah when we hear the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. And the Maharal explains, you have to know that what Avraham took, this ayel, the fact that Avraham took this ram in the place of Yitzchak, it's called the ayel of Yitzchak normally. And it comes in, okay, hold on one second. And since he gave himself up completely, so the ram is going to be used and given up completely to the redemption of the Jewish people. Elsewhere, I didn't bring the source here. I'm so sorry. I spoke about it in a different shear. And I didn't bring the source. Is a Gemara in? I don't remember. The Gemara says that it will come a time near the end of days, and Hashem will say, "The Jewish people have sinned against me. What should I do?" And He asks Avraham. He says, "Your children have sinned." And Avraham says, "I guess you'll have to kill, wipe them out, Al Shemecha, in order to sanctify your name." And Hashem says that. Maybe Yaakov, since he had trouble with his sons. So he asked, I, I wouldn't just say that, but mm -hmm. Zagmar says that. So he goes to Yaakov and he says, your sons have sinned against me. And Yaakov says, I guess you'll have to wipe them out. And Hashem says to Yitzchak, your sons have sinned against me. And Yitzchak says, my sons? Aren't they your sons? You said, when, when they accepted the Torah at Harsinai and said, Nasev and Ishma, we will do and we will hear. And they completely gave themselves over to the doing, not even knowing yet what it would be. Kind of an Akeda reference mm -hmm. there. You said, Boni Matem, you're my, you're my children. Now they're my sons? Mm -hmm. So he said, look, Ribbono Shalom, really, you could take it. You, you can somehow carry the burden of the sins for them. Anyway, how long does a person live? Mars says an average of 70 years is a normal lifespan. But of that, the first 20, they're not even fully mature. They're not responsible. So it's only 50 years. 50 years, half the time, they're either sleeping or eating or taking a bath, going to the bathroom. Like, you have to take care of the physical body. So all that time, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that, that's good. 25 years of sin you can't handle? He says... If you're not good with that, it's fine. We'll split it. They're my sons. I'm not denying they're my sons. But he says, we'll split it. And then he says, and if not that, 
I'll take the whole thing. Who says I'll take Yitzchak. Yitzchak says to God, I'll take the whole thing. Wait, because I can do thing. that because, I don't know, I de- dedicated myself to you completely on the Mizbeach. Wow. It's a reference from Yeshaya, right at the end of Yeshaya. They come and they say, you are our father. And the Gemara is re-explaining that verse to say that the Jewish people come to Yitzchak. It's so interesting because we, we somehow focus more on Avram and Yaakov, don't we? Mm-hmm. Avram maybe because of the chesed and Yaakov, I don't know. right? And Yitzchak seems the hardest to us to feel connected to. Yitzchak does. Yitzchak does. Yes. And yet, it says at the end of days, we're going to all say, Yitzchak, you're our father. And do you know what his answer is? Mm-hmm. We'll say, you're our father. Avram doesn't recognize us anymore. Yaakov doesn't recognize us anymore. You're our father. And Yitzchak says, it's not me wow. who's your father. And he directs his eyes towards Hashem, and we follow his gaze towards Hashem and realize Hashem is our father. It's very awesome. You see the two sides of it also, right? He says, when, when Hashem says, they're your children, he says, my children, they're your children. And when we say, you're our father, he says, he's your fa- Hashem's your father. He's, he's pulling us together, mm-hmm. right? He's saying, I can do that, because I gave myself 100% over. Now, what does that all really mean? I don't know. I don't know. It's a garaton. I really have no clue, right? Yeah. But there's something very intense going on here about the Akeda never being forgotten, always being there in the presence of Hashem, and, and that this is also an anchor point of our Geula. It was always such a strange, almost frustrating thing to learn about because no one would ever kill okay. their child. Right. So it's such a like, it's something that out of everything in Judaism, it's the hardest to... It's so hard, and yet, around. and yet... Part of that is because we're thinking about the Akeda of Avraham and not the Akeda of Yitzchak. Okay? So we'll wind up today. I want to point out that the four places of Eliyahu's name were here. The fifth place Eliyahu's name is empty, is Chaser, is the very, very end of Malachi. Malachi is the Treyasar, the very, very last of the prophets. Okay. So the, this is the final prophecy of the final prophet until the Geulah. The, the final, yeah. Last week. The final prophecy of the final Geulah, of the final prophet is Zichru Toras Moshe Ovdi. Remember, Zichor. Remember the Torah of Moshe, my servant. That's our side of the bris, right? Which in Bechukosai, it said that we were despising the Chukim and Mishpatim. There's lots of songs with this. You probably know the purse. There's all different ones. You don't want to sing because it's going to be recorded. I mean, you have a beautiful voice, but there's men who listen too. Behold, I will send to you Ace Eliyahanavi. Lifnei bo yom Hashem hagadol v'hanorah, before the day of God, great and awesome will be. He's going to come and inform us. Ve'heshiv and he shall return. Leiv avos alvonim ve'leivonim alavosam. The hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. And I have to think it's connected to that prophecy of Yeshaya. You are our father, right? Your children have sinned. Lest, in other words, in order that I will not come and wipe out the whole land. This is the redemption. It's the final Eliyah, and there finally will be. So, Emirat Hashem, 
next week, we will continue some of this theme and wrap up some more of the loose ends here. But this is a, a, a nice piece of it. Oh, I think right. that's what I read. So in the Haftarah, it was Malachi. Yeah. And it was saying, um, like, how Hashem was saying, I, mean, I, don't, I haven't read Malachi yet. So yeah, really me that. neither. But, oh, is that a question on here? Is that amazing? Is it empty for one? Okay. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. What was I going to say? So, right, so he was saying that, that Asaph had, um, like, what's wrong with you people? Like, Asaph had such better... Um, um, he would have an M than you. Hashem is like, come on, everyone here is complaining about the Vodas and the base Mikdash. The Kohanim are complaining, like, why do we have to, you know? Oh, yeah, and so it's that's. Like, yeah, yeah. So it t- you see how it ties into that same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was maybe, you know, I don't really know so much, but mm-hmm. it's interesting. Very nice. Um, very, very nice. So you see, though, if you look at the, on this source sheet, if you look at all the cases of the Yaakov that's yeah, full, like... <laughs> you'll see that in all of these cases, it's referring to Geula. It's reminding wow. that after, even after all of this, there, the, there will be a Geula. It's the promise of Geula. All the places where Yaakov has the, is holding on to the Vav, are, play, are specifically verses that are reminding us yeah. and committing to the fact that there will be Geula. And, the, and the place where Eliyahu is missing is saying you've forgotten to turn to Hashem, right? You've forgotten. And it's all around this verse of him being recognized that he's wearing the belt from the Akedah. It's very interesting the way this theme. I don't. I don't fully understand yeah. it, but but you can see that there's a wow. a pattern it's going so there. It's yeah. really exciting. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry to I have really love it. gone I, like. I enjoy this so much. It's like it's really the um, 